For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 106. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how are you doing tonight? I'm, I'm looking forward and not looking forward to tomorrow. Tomorrow's my son's first day of school. Hey, uh, there you go. So that's going to be difficult because he can be pretty difficult in the morning, like any child, obviously. Um, but I'm doing it solo. Like my, it's also my wife's first day of school, who's a teacher, um, so she has to be away. Unfortunately, so it's it's all me. Uh, but then when he's at school, I come home and it's just me and my daughter, and that means I got two hours worth of nap time to do Isles content. Oh, oh, I can't wait! I can't wait. That's gonna be good, and obviously, that's a really you know nice proud dad moment. I feel like too. I think it's it's gonna be fun to be able to like send him off to school and be like go and have some fun, make some friends, learn some stuff. He's yeah. not do much. They're not going to do much learning this year. It's more of a play, but that's perfectly fine. Playing with right. kids is all I care about. Yeah, you just got to get that experience with the other kids. It, he might give a hard time at first, but I think you'll end up enjoying it. Yeah, I think so, too. What's going on with you? Not good, Mitch. Not good. <laughs> it was uh, Professional <laughs> Development Day uh, where I work at the college I work, and it was just a very, very long day. Uh, there was a three-hour meeting, Ugh. Um, and then... Like you had to meet with your division, so I met with the communications division. That was like another hour, so more than half more than half the day was meetings, which just can be draining. It can, especially when you're being talked to rather than like talking in like a communal setting where you're bouncing ideas or brainstorming. That's different than uh, you just have to sit and someone's talking at you like you have to do these things. It sounds like the pickles um, teachers. I don't know if you know what that is. Is that, uh, is that peanuts? Pickle? Did I say pickles? Yes, yeah. peanuts. <laughs> he said the pickles. Uh, I wondered oh. why. I was like, why is he not getting this? It's not that old of a reference. <laughs> I was like, is that like the knockoff Canadian <laughs> version of the peanuts? A maple syrup. Tim Hortons double double. That is unbelievable. Oh, wild! Good start. Absolutely good start. So, like we said, episode 106. So, do we have an addition? Yes. So, thank you, Piper, for piping in. Nice. With the suggestion. Uh, so, 2006 draft, I'm going with Andrew McDonald. I'm not going the oh. uh, Kyle Poso route, as I thought you would go. Um, okay. So, this edition is the Andrew McDonald edition. Uh, so, like every other uh, podcast we do, we dedicated someone drafted in that year. And then come the end, so before our social segment... 
I'll riddle off like three questions for you, Matt. They're not necessarily easy. They're not super hard either. Um, see if, and see if you get them. Okay. I'm going to have to uh, go deep into the memory bank for some uh, AMAC trivia. Quite deep. <laughs> You're going to have to go real deep on this one. Oh, boy. Here we go. So let's get into it, Mitch. The big topic of the day, Anthony Beauvillier, the last RFA unsigned, signs his extension. It is a two-year deal, AAV of $2.1 million, a little bit higher than what I was expecting, if I'm being completely honest with you, but... Mm-hmm. It's. I find it hard for me to sit here and complain about a $2.1 million deal for a 22-year-old. Of course. You, you don't, you don't want to immediately like, ah, this is the worst thing ever. I hate this so much. Because uh, it's it's $2.1 million. Well, it's $4.2 million over two years. Uh, and, and really, when you look at it, like I, I know that uh, some other prognosticators have said that he should probably sit at around 2.5 like evolving hockey had him at 2.55 million dollars uh, so theoretically we got him at less than what his market value is depending on, on what projection you're looking at so That's true and they're only paying him 1.8 this year and 2.4 next year uh, which again is still kind of like peanuts it's nothing for again a, a guy who scores a lot of goals maybe not a lot but a considerable a amount. amount. Yeah, like 18 goals is a good amount to score. All right, 18 and then 21 the year before. Uh, as I mentioned in the article reaction, and we've beaten it to death on this podcast, but I'll say it again. We're heading into year four of Beauvillier, and we're still not quite sure what he is. But even like doomsday scenario, let's say over the next two years, he puts up like 25 points a pop, 25, 30 points. That's not like awful value for $2.1 million. You're obviously hoping for better, but if you're getting... 25 to 30 points for someone that you're paying 2.1 million dollars it's not the worst thing in the world either yeah is it though like yeah it's not a cap breaker for sure at 2.1 million dollars and i'm just going to play devil's advocate here to just just to like suss this out because that's what we like to do and this isn't going to be just a yes men podcast although like i'm sure yes men outfitters would like that if we just hashtag (laughs) yes men podcast free free advertising that's fair um tom kunakle if we just look at him Right, he scored uh, nine points in thirty-six games, and you're saying if he's a twenty-five point player, right? If Bo's a twenty-five point right. player, two point one million dollars is fine. So nine divided by thirty-six is a quarter times eighty-two. We're looking at a twenty-one point player. Tom Kunakel is making what seven hundred and fifty, eight fifty. He's making eight fifty. I agree with you, but then I could just come back at you and say Kyle Clutterbuck, which is almost double what. Uh, what's his name's going to be making Beauvillier? Right, but my argument to make an argument here is again I, I'm creating an argument. This isn't one that I fully believe in, but this is me creating one. I'll fight saying, you on your fake argument. <laughs> That's not the issue. <laughs> let's, let's throw some fists, buddy. <laughs> it's that if we think that Bo is 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 worth it at twenty at two point one million dollars, and he's producing up to twenty five points, and you go, all right, well, theoretically, and, and and it's not a far theory, it's not a far or it's not a stretch to think that I could get it for less. I can get twenty five points and pay less for it. So theoretically, oh. I'm overpaying then. I guess, but then you can make the same argument with guys on their ELC. Yeah, of course, but that that's found money. ELC's found money. That doesn't count, right? Because like that's you can't sign them for more. There's no cap, or there is a cap on on ELCs. You can't say like Connor McDavid, I'm going to give you eight because I think you're going to give me 100 points in year one. 
Uh, whereas Bo, I don't know what you're going to do, so I'm going to give you 920k. No, you, you you have to sign them both. Like whether it's Connor McDavid or Anthony Bovillia, you have to do 925k max. That that's the max yeah. you can give them. Of course, there's performance bonuses and so on and so forth that that you can you can add in there, but still. Yeah, two point one. It's not crazy far off from what I was expecting. I thought it'd be at one and a half. Um, yeah. So that's only what a six hundred thousand dollar difference. Like it's not anything super crazy, but I do feel like, and we talked about this recently with uh, Bersard even last week, that you probably could have gotten him from le- for less, even though it wasn't like a back breaking cap deal. You're absolutely right. They probably could have, could have got both for less. And, and what I'm trying to state here is that come the end of his deal, if he's still a 25 point player, that 2.1 million dollars is that that's it was too much. It was too much, which is it's it's not crazy. Like the Islanders aren't going to sink and fold as a franchise for no. paying that amount of money. It's just kind of like mm, it didn't work out the way we thought we were going to work out. But the thing with Bovillier is he's got these. How do you want to call it? Samples or flashes? flashes. Yes, thank you. Uh, where he puts up like 0.7 points per game. Like uh, coming back from the AHL, 0.72 points per game for the remainder of the season. A 40 uh, game sample size, too, not like a small little thing. Yeah, it was 39 games. Oh, and scored 28 points over 39 games. Uh, and then there was last year where that's 16 games after being demoted to the third line. Scoring 12 points over a 16-game sample, 0.75 points per game, scoring 10 goals among that uh, within there. So you're like, all right, like the, the kid can play. He can play in flashes. It's just he can't like sync it together for some reason. But if he can, holy cow, watch out. Right, and that's just the thing. Like we started with worst case scenario, obviously. Yes. But then we could also go now to best case scenario, and let's say. Maybe it's not 0.7 points per game, but maybe even it's half a point per game. If he's yeah. giving you 40 to 45 points, then you're looking at the $2.1 million and saying, okay, you have a pretty good deal here over the next two years. That's exactly right. If he gives you like Brock Nelson levels of, of production and you're paying him 2.1 on average, that's great value. That's absolutely great value to get. And again, he scores goals. So if, if we're talking that he's a 40-point player, so he's getting another, let's say, 10 points... Um, actually, if he's scoring 45, it's probably almost close to 12 points more than his, his highest return. No, 10, 36 points is his highest return. I don't know why I keep mm-hmm. thinking 33. Either way, if he puts up another 10 points, how many of those are goals? I don't imagine he's putting up another 10 assists. I, yep. I'm, I'm certain like a 60% of those, so another six goals of his, or six points of those are going to be goals. Now we're talking about a 25, almost 30 goal scorer. That's huge. Right, and that's the thing for me because, yes, he's been inconsistent, and I know that I've always gone to, we just don't know what he is, and it's, I don't know if annoying is the right word, but maybe frustrating. To, but if he figures it out at 22 years old, which isn't also like, that's not some crazy take. Like Sometimes it takes time for these guys. So let's say he does give you 25 goals. And then, again, that means you probably don't have to worry about that top six piece you never got because you have someone else who's giving you 25 goals. Yeah, exactly. I, I 100% agree with you. And on, on the case of, like, it might take a little bit of time, uh, is, well, look at Josh Bailey and look at Brock Nelson. It sucks that it took him that long to get there, and we should find ways, we, the organization, the organization should find ways to make that gestation period, if you want to call it that, shorter, um, but they eventually got there. 
now, keeping the cap hit lower, obviously, in a 2.1 deal, if that works until he becomes that 50-point player, great. That's fine. Um, so as long as it doesn't take eight years like Josh Bailey, that would be nice. Yeah, ideally, it wouldn't take that long. But if he shows progression, progression this year, I think I'd be happy. I guess what I want to do now is get into, like, what could our expectations be for Beauvillier at this point after he signed? So what are you, what are you thinking right now? He got the 2.1 over the next two years. Going into 2019-2020, what are your expectations for Bo? We just want point totals or we want like full-on narrative? I think kind of both. Okay, so point totals, I expect in the high 30s. Between the high 30s and the mid 40s. Or the low 40s, I should say the mid 40s. What am I talking about? So between 35 and 45 points. Somewhere around there, that's what I'm expecting. If he does more, great. If he does less, ah, uh, that sucks. That stings. Even if it's like 34 points, that still kind of stinks. If you're going, yeah, you got better than you did last year, but you still didn't get better than you were two years ago in your sophomore right. year. So, like, ugh, that sucks. In terms of narrative, I want to see him to be a more committed, not not committed, but impactful player throughout the year. I don't mean that he has to score or put up a point every game or literally points up points per game. I want him to be accountable and I want to notice that he's playing because that first 16 games of the year, outside of the one goal that he scored against the Flyers in like the third or fourth game, didn't see him. Didn't exist to me. I think that's a great point, Mitch, because... Yes, when he's scoring and involved and it comes in big doses like the four-point game against the Rangers when he had a hat trick, Mm -hmm. like he's very, very involved. But in the games where he doesn't give you points or realistically, when when he's not scoring goals, he doesn't really do all that much for you. Well, last year he scored one power play point, I believe, or two. I think he had two power play points last year. He doesn't Mm -hmm. play on the PK. I think he had 43 seconds worth of penalty kill time last year. Um, he's not great defensively. Like we all remember the gif of him against Brian Boyle in the defensive zone and Boyle just kind of shrugs him off. Like he doesn't even matter. Like he's a mosquito or something. He's not great defensively. He doesn't kill penalties. He's not, at least last year, he wasn't good on the, on the power play. Not I know good on two the face-offs. Years, not good on face-offs. <laughs> uh, when he's not scoring, he's not giving you a whole lot. But that narrative can all change if he yes. gives you 25 goals and close to 40 points next year. That's right. Absolutely. And he can do that from the third line. He could do that from the second line. I would prefer if he did it from the second and third. If he's giving you 45 points playing next to Matthew Barzal, I'm like, I'd like a little bit more. I think so. here's <laughs> what I'm going to say. Yeah. For the longest time, most of the summer, I thought, okay, I want him on that third line. But now the later we go... I really do think that they're going to try and get that magic back from Beauvillier, Barzal, and Emberley. So you're looking at a, a second line of like Lee, Nelson, Bailey type thing? Yeah. All right. I feel that's like fine. that's the way that they're going to go. And then you got a third line of Bo, uh, well, Broussard. No. Del Cole, Broussard, saying. Yes. I don't know. I, I was looking at a picture of Bo. That's why I can close this tab now. I don't need these numbers. Um yeah. All right. Dal Cole, Broussard. Sorry, who is your your right wing? Jose. Jose. Okay. Um Can we get back to the third line in a second like once we've done the yes. Anthony Bovelli thing cuz Yes. I, I want to talk about that a little bit. Sure. But Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that makes that makes sense. Like and that that's that's a good third line, man. Like that that should produce 
theoretically like that that's producing if we're getting the brassard from two years ago if we're getting last year's brassard it ain't doing nothing right but if he's giving you even like what Valtteri Filippula did for you last year then you're probably in pretty good shape perhaps but we're looking for more from these two guys right from the guys that you're looking for on the wing from Bo and and Hosang and if he's if they don't have a good pivot I that's going to be hard to do uh, for me, for Beauvillier to get to my expectations, like I just said, I do think he ends up playing on that first line. And if he does, I think he's going to be someone who puts in 20 to 25 goals. I think he gets over 40 points. I don't know by how much, but I don't think that necessarily affects Eberly and Barzal all that much. I think it's going to be like those two are the real impact guys on that line. And Beauvillier is kind of just that supplemental piece. Because realist, I know it worked in the playoffs and down the stretch, but I'm not so sure Anders Lee is the right fit with those two guys. Whereas Beauvillier could keep up a little bit more with the pace of play. Yeah, I that's feel like true. out of and I don't think uh, Bailey and Barzal worked all that well together. So out of every other option available, it might have to be Bo up there. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what they do. I'm not convinced that he's a top line player. Uh, he didn't show that last year. No. Um, but if they take the they can take the chance this year again, just like they did the year before, and, and see if it, it pans out. Uh, if it doesn't pan out this year, will it ever? No. No. I really don't think so. Like at this point, he's probably proved closer to a third line guy, but they don't really have the personnel, unfortunately, to to have the most ideal lineup. Sometimes you got to do whatever. It, it takes to make it work, and that might, unfortunately, be Beauvillier on the top line. Is he a top-line player? So far, no, but <laughs> you're kind of banking that he develops this year and finally figures it out. Yeah, yeah. I hope he figures it out, man. Like, I don't know. Like, they've tried. To, I wrote this today in, in, in my slider for, for Beauvillier and the three takeaways. They've tried the punitive approach to him. A, a, different management teams have tried the, the punitive approach to him. They tried sending him to the AHL come ba- and have him come back. He was great. Couldn't sustain it. Last year, they tried to send him down to the third line, saying, like, well, you're, gonna, you're not going to play with Barzell. You're going to have a more defensive approach and see how you deal with that. He responded within 16 games or, or through 16 games, but then it whittled away after that. So, like, they got to find a way to have it sustained. And maybe for them, it's this year saying, like, Bo, we're going to put our arm around you. We did it to Brock Nelson last year. We're going to do it to you this year. You're our guy this year. You're our focus. We're going to do everything we can to give you what you want. Tell us what you need. Tell us how you're feeling. And we're going to buy all in. Whatever we can do, we're doing. Two-year deal, we're, we're, we're with you for at least two years. You're an RFA even after that, so we're with you. You're with us forever, buddy. Um, but we, we will give you any and all opportunities. That has to be their approach this year. It can't be punitive. It has to be whatever the antithesis of that. Right, and I think that could be the most likely way to get the most out of them, kind of like what you did say, like what we saw with Brock Nelson. I don't know. It's really a, This is a make-or-break year. This is a huge year for Anthony Beauvillier. Yes, it was good that he got some security in a two-year deal, but he has a lot to prove this year, and we'll know whether he's a top-six guy or a third-line guy this time next year. Hopefully he's a top-six, man. Oh, my God. Top-six, please. 
I hope so, too. Now, what did you want to get into on that third line? Let's hit that up next. We have a ton of third line players, like an insane <laughs> amount. It's ridiculous. The fourth line is set, right? So we found out today, uh, today being Wednesday, I had to look at the date, August 28th, because my flip calendar, my dad joke calendar is out of date because I haven't come down to my office in a couple of days. Um, what's the dad joke today? When do you know when the moon has had enough to eat? When? When it's full. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Third liners. On today, we found out that Cal Clutterbuck and Adam Ladd, or Adam Ladd, Andrew Ladd, are skating. Now, it doesn't mean that they're healthy enough to play yet. They could very well be, but they might not. Um, but they're skating with the team. So we know that Cal Clutterbuck's spot, if he's healthy, is set on the fourth line. But when right. it comes to the third line, Broussard's the third line center, probably. Right, like I assume he is. I think we yeah. all assume he is. But when that what that means for the wingers then is you got Komarov, Johnston, uh, Kuhnhockel, Dal Cole, maybe even Hosang, like you mentioned, and Lad. then Lad. Like that's six guys. I think I'm even missing one. I think Fritz. Fritz. Thank you. Yes, there seven. That's seven guys for two spots. So two of them get named. So that leaves another five. Three of them, let's say, get scratched. That's assuming we aren't scratching a defender. That leaves still two guys that go where? They oh, most so, of, all of them have AHL deals or one-way deals. Sorry, right? The people are going to get waived. It's it's a given. I wrote about that either earlier this week or at the end of last week that they have so many people fighting for roster spots that. I know you mentioned it on Twitter, too. This training camp, we're going to learn a lot. I know we just wrapped up Bovillier by saying, oh, we're going to learn a lot about Bovillier. Well, in training camp, we're going to figure out who's going to be on this team and who's not probably very quickly. Yeah, there's competition across the board, but specifically that that third line, whew, which is fantastic. That's amazing. That's exactly what you want in your organization. And look, we haven't talked about Bobo Carpenter, Mason Yost, who I know are centers, but I'm sure they could play wing. Um, we haven't talked about them yet and whoever else they have at the AHL who could probably play wing, like Koivula. We haven't talked about him yet. No, you got Koivula. I mean, long shot, but Bellows yep. and Wallstrom are going to be at camp. Absolutely. Like, they're all fighting for spots in the NHL. That's going to be, that's exactly what you want in any organization is, is that depth, that, that, that fight, because they, the player who has that position should know if I don't perform, someone else is going to come in and do that job for me. Um, but it's just it's very crowded on that third line, so maybe that'll be more motivation for Bo saying like if I can't make it work and I'm a third line guy, oh boy, my job could be in jeopardy any day. It could, yeah, it could be the thing to light the fire on his rear end. Hopefully, so, so that that's yeah. what I wanted to bring up. Okay, uh, awesome, great point because like you said, there is a ton of forwards. We're going to see <laughs> a lot of forwards in September. Yes. Next thing I wanted to talk about was a fourth-line player in Casey Sezikis. So a couple of things with Sezikis. He recently was named to the all-two-way team. by That was uh, NHL Network did that, I believe, right? Yes, NHL.com did. And also in an interview with the Islanders website, he was talking about his season last year, and he said what helped him out obviously he had a career year, was the reunion of the Martin Sezikis clutterbuck line. So there's a lot to unpack here from Case Sezikis the last couple of weeks. So let's start with the all-two-way team. I mean, this is, seems like a given at this point because 
the type of player that he is, it's rare that you have someone who's that effective defensively and on the penalty kill that could also give you 20 goals. <laughs> That's just it, right? So we we know his defensive strength. We've seen it for years. Hell, as a as a as a Canada a Canadian, we've seen Casey Zekas kill penalties like a champion for years. Like he did it for the juniors, single handedly killing a penalty, just like oh, uh, just absolutely fantastic. Um, and now we're seeing it at the NHL level. But now he's mixing that in with offense. Oh my God, it's it's wild again. Twenty goals, but it those goals didn't come from like fluke areas. He wasn't, you know, like bouncing them in off weird angles. He was working hard for those goals, getting in front of the net. And, and how many times did he find Matt Martin dead in the slot from behind the net? Like so many times. It's just absolutely insane what this guy has been able to generate offensively. And again, he starts like sixty-seven percent of his shifts in the defensive zone, and still gets twenty goals. How? Right. Now, does that mean that he's going to score 20 goals again? I would lean towards probably not. Probably but not, no. The fact that he was able to do it last year, it just goes to show the unique talent that he has. Like uh, To me, he is without question the best fourth-line center in the game. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Easily. This is not saying like best fourth, like fourth center. This is of all the fourth-line centers, he's easily the best, like head and shoulders above anyone. Just with the role he plays and the amount of like even in years gone by with him, he still gave you close to he gave you twenty nine points. Uh, that was twenty fifteen sixteen, and then I know he was hurt the last couple of years, but he was still on pretty good point paces over those two seasons as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and even then that twenty nine uh, point season, I think it was in like sixty some odd games. Let's bring it up here, um, stats. So before we do that, let, let's just. Let's just talk about the team that he's in. So this is okay. Go ahead. The all two way forward team that he's in, according to Dave Reed, so NHL Networks, not NHL.com Networks. Dave Reed has there. His top line is Sean Couturier on the on the wing, uh, Patrice Bergeron, Mark Stone. Yeah, makes sense. Easy. And this again, this is all like all two way forwards. This isn't like the best forward forward. All two ways. Second line of Jamie Ben. Um, uh, God, Ryan O'Reilly and Nikita Kucherov. Also makes sense. Not sure about the Kucherov thing, but you know, whatever. That's fine. Hundred and some odd points. It's fine. Uh, line three: Zach Hyman, uh, Sidney Crosby, and Josh Anderson. Yeah, that's all right. Mm-hmm. Line four: Casey Zizekas, Jonathan Taze, Anze Kopitar. This is the conversation that we have Casey Zizekas in. Yeah, there's a there's a Zach Hyman and Josh Anderson in there, but you still have. Crosby, Taze, Kopitar, Bergeron, Couturier, Ben, Kucherov. That's the that's the conversation that he's being put in I, I, by one guy still. But when you when you think about it, man, he does a job. Man, Casey, if he had the offensive de- deployment that we think he could, or sorry, if he had a more offensive deployment, I I, I think you're looking at a forty point player, maybe right, more. Like if- if he got bumped up to the third line, I think he could give you 35 to 40 points. I really do. And got that more ice time. But in the role that he's in and playing with guys like Matt Martin and Kyle Clutterbuck, as much as we might like them in that role on the fourth line, they're not going to put him in the best position to score, especially if, like you said, they're starting nearly 70% of their shifts in the defensive end. Uh, but even if that number got to like 50-50, you would think that his numbers would even go up. Yeah, so like his his career highs twenty nine points like you brought up. I thought it wasn't in, in a full season. Uh, it was actually in eighty games. But when you look at his points per game, 
His best season was the year after in 2016-17, which is the first year that Matt Martin left, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So he had 25 points in 59 games, which put him on pace for 35 points. Again, from the fourth line without Matt Martin. Yeah, playing with um, Cal Clutterbuck and, uh, God, uh, what was his name? Kuhlman. Kuhlman. <laughs> Nikolai Kuhlman, who is fine. He's a fine, again, another good two-way forward, but he wasn't breaking the bank points-wise. Sezikis, on a year where his, his winger isn't with him, still puts up 25 points in 59 games on pace for 35. If you gave him... And, and what was his, def- his zone starts that year, 16-17? 67.4% in the defensive zone. Come on, man. Okay. Like, if you get, if you f- not flip that, but at least made it close to 50-50, oh, man, I, I, this guy could, could easily be a 40-point player. I tend to agree with you there. I think you could absolutely make that case. Which is why I think it's kind of a missed opportunity, the fact that, that they're, they, being Barry Trotz and Lou are are resolved in having them as their fourth line center unless like their deployment changes and they're actually the fourth line or the third line um fine but i i don't i don't see it happening no yeah i don't i don't see it either i think they're gonna stick that one together uh but like you said with uh, in terms of the um all two-way team the names that are also included of those 12 guys. Very impressive names. Now, obviously, we know he's not Patrice Bergeron. No. We know he's not Cindy Crosby or Jonathan Taze. But what we're saying is he serves a quality purpose in terms of what he does defensively on the penalty kill. And then when he also can turn around and give you 33 points, what he had last year, I mean, that's that's valuable to a team. Yeah, exactly. But any team would love to have him, even if it's just on the fourth line. And some of them probably might have them on their third line, uh, if not even higher, uh, depending on how, t- how terrible that team is. Uh, True. But that's how valuable Casey Sezikis is. And it just, I really wanted to point that out because I, I feel like he's not being used to his fullest potential. I really, I really do. I agree with you. I do. I understand that Martin, Sezikis, and Clutterbuck line and you know how they used to work together and stuff like that, but I really think Sezikis has passed those two by. Oh yeah, where like Clutterbuck and Martin are still the players that they were in 2014-15, where Sezikis seems to be more than just a fourth line center. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we know that he he makes them. It's not to say that they're bad players, but like we talk about Josh Bailey not being great without Tavares which isn't necessarily true, but still, um, there, there is that, that connotation that Tavares made Bailey. Casey Zekas is making the points for, for Matt Martin and for Cal Clutterbuck. They're fine players, and Mar- Matt Martin is still finding his way into the, into the slot and still doing his thing, but if not for Casey Zekas, I don't think any of those guys would have the production they have. No, probably not. If you replace them with the Tanner Fritz, I'm sure their numbers go down. Yeah, exactly. They, they might, they're the probably still going to be as effective uh, in terms of the four check or in terms of their physical play easily because their game won't change there. But it's in that production. I, I don't think you have a, a 19-point Matt Martin without cases as he gets. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair assumption there. So. Uh, for me, what I wanted to do with Sezikis was uh, talk, lastly, is just talk about how he said that 
being reunited with Martin and Clutterbuck. I think we kind of answered this, but do you buy that playing with those two and the chemistry that he had is why he had such a productive year? I'm sure to a certain degree it is, right? There's there's something to be said about familiarity. Um, no, I, I don't necessarily think so. I think the system worked for him in the, what they're using him to do worked for him. But I, I don't think it was about Martin or, 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 or Clutterbuck. I think it was about Zizekas. I think it really was. Like He's the one who found himself in a lot of those areas. Um, it wasn't because of them. They're, again, fine players, but I really think he made his own, his own success last year. It was not because of the familiarity he had with his, his teammates. Although I'm sure that had something to do with it, at least at a small, in, in, infinitesimately small degree. Yeah, I... To me, I hinted at my answer, but I, I'm not really buying that at all. I, I'm not. Uh, I. It's not anything bad against Martin or Clutterbuck. It's just that I think Sezikis is on another level than than, mm-hmm. than both of those guys, and he's the one who elevates them, not the other way around. That's right, and I, I'm sure there, there's something to be said about like they they have their thing going and they're comfortable and it works, perfect. But that's also how you get stuck in ruts where you don't like venturing outside of your comfort zone. Um, we need to get Casey Zekas not out of his comfort zone, but into a more offensive uh, deployment, please. For the love of God, please. If he's playing on that fourth line again with Martin and Clutterbuck, what are your point expectations for him this year? 25. 25 points. So like 15 goals, 10 assists, something like that. Maybe fewer goals and put those in the, the assist column. Yeah, I think you're looking at about uh, 25 is a pretty good number. I think maybe I don't think he gives you 20 goals again, but maybe he gives you like 12, something like that. Yeah, keep in mind he was shooting at like 18 percent in, in all situations last year, so he's not going to do that again. He probably won't do that again. Man, I would love if he does. If he becomes an 18 percent shooter, get him on the second line today. <laughs> like that's right, the, that's the top Brock. line player. <laughs> there you go. Casey was the top line player. They were missing all along. <laughs> they had him buried in the fourth line. Uh, oh, my God. All right. So let's move along to a little bit of a fun one. So you wrote the other day your all-decade New York Islanders team. So what I wanted to do is bring that to the podcast. So we're going to go through. You're going to give your guys. I'm going to give my guys now, too. So let's get this thing rolling. Who was your all-decade left wing? We'll start with all-decade left wing. Um, God, I already forget what I wrote here. Uh, it was. Oh, I have to bring it up. I thought I could okay, just. I know who it was. Okay, thank you. Do you want me to tell you? Yes, please. It was Anders Lee. It was Anders Lee, of course. Why wouldn't it be? So uh, Anders Lee uh, had his fifth rank in the Islanders in terms of points right now, with 258 points, 425 games played. He's the highest-ranked left wing player. Um, and I'm saying left wing because that's what the NHL.com is using. I, I shout out to Matt Molson. He was great, but as soon as he left, or as soon as he left the Islanders, he just couldn't sustain it. So to me, that's an I'm here because of JT, whereas Andersley was not. So I I wanted to go Matt Molson, like I really did, because I I liked him a lot with the Islanders. But I gotta go with Andersley too, just because. Uh, he had that 34-goal season, the 40-goal season. I just feel like he has shown that he's better without John Tavares than what Molson was without John Tavares. So <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, that's what's giving me the slight nod to uh, Andersley. But honorable mention, uh, Matt Molson and uh, maybe that, what, 30 games with Thomas Vanek? <laughs> that's who I had as my honorable mentions. Uh, yeah, because okay. you can't deny the points per game that Thomas Vanek had, right? It was like .94, I believe. Points per game, yeah, .94 points per game. Who's the highest points per game within the decade period? So just to be clear, the decade we're talking about is from the 2009-2010 season to the 2018-2019 season. That, yeah. That's what we're talking about here. And he has a highest points per game ratio than any player, any player who played for the Islanders within that period of time, he being Thomas Vanek. So it, it's worth something. Definitely is. So, uh, moving on to center, is there any other option besides John Tavares? No, there isn't. 621 points in 669 games, .93 points per game, a negative 42 for all you uh, plus-minus nerds out there. Um, Just, no, phenomenal. Phenomenal and in every which way, in every shape, just did everything right, except for when it came to leaving the team. Yeah, and... uh, that's all I have to say on that. <laughs> you don't even like want to give him the time of day. <laughs> no, he he's the obvious answer. I mean, honorable mention, I guess, for me would be Franz Nielsen. M- Matt Barzell, maybe? Yeah, probably, I guess. Yeah, good point. Um, I, yeah, I would say yeah, Bar- Barzell. I was thinking Tavares era first, so that's probably why he came to mind first. But yeah, Bar- Barzell, Nielsen. Um, I don't know if I'd go Nelson in there, but that's probably about no. it. You're not going to go I, Grabowski. I Gravel. <laughs> okay, fine. Moving on. <laughs> okay, so right wing, I put Matthew Barzell there. Oh, you cheater. Whatever. What? Like I don't understand. So yes, he's never played right wing. <laughs> But he's a right shooting player, and he's better than anyone else who's played right wing for the Islanders. Is he better than Kyle Poso? Yes, yes, he is. He just hasn't played the position. Whatever. Who? He's a right shooting guy. Like we we just talked about, Casey Zekas being on the left wing for the all oh all two way team. He's never played on the wing. He's only played center. So immediately that that whole that whole piece that they did is garbage. Come on, it is. But I'm not a cheater, so I'm gonna go. It's with not cheating. Doc. It's it's thinking. Thinking outside of the box. I'm not constrained by the positions necessarily. Kyle Opos was the answer you were looking for. That's the guy. Um, what about Josh Bailey? Mm. You could make that case, but he's also played on the left side for a large part of his career. I don't know. I th- Just saying 408 <laughs> points with the Islanders to Kyle Opos's Kyle 325. I I understand. Just I get that. I, God, why do you have to fight me on everything? Because that's what makes good that entertaining product. I know, I know, I know. Um, so you're going Barzal. I already did. Yeah. And and I'm going with Kyle Oposo. Okay. Listen, uh, Barzal, 0.89 points per game over his career so far. Oposo, 0.71. Josh Bailey, 0.56. I love Josh Bailey, and I like Kyle Oposo, but you can't tell me that Matthew Barzal is not better than both of those players. He's already the 10th-ranked the Islander in terms of points in the last decade. He's only played for two years. Well, that's pretty impressive. It's very impressive. He beats out some 120, sorry, not 120, 110 players. 
Okay. 110 Islanders are worse than Matthew Barzal, and he's played for two years. Okay. I, you got to do whatever you can to get him in the lineup, I guess. That's what was my point. You, you can't have this guy off of it. I can't have this guy off of this lineup because John Tavares. Screw that guy. He's not going to screw out Matthew Barzal because he was really good. <laughs> All right. How about left D there? Left D, I had Mark Streit. Interesting. Okay. See, to me, my default answer is Letty. Why Letty over Streit? Because I feel like he had a bigger impact initially in that in his first three seasons with the Islanders. Okay, fair enough. He's put up more points. Um, Mark Strait has a better point per game ratio uh, with a .58 rather than a .48 for Nick Letty. But for me, the Mark Strait thing was they, they brought him in as a free agent. Right, that's the first time that a guy who who had scored sixty two points for the Montreal Canadiens a year before decided to come to the New York Islanders as a free agent. That doesn't happen still to this no. day. No. True, he he did put up that fifty six points in on a terrible uh, two thousand eight two thousand nine Islanders team. Right, uh, he he is good. It's not. I don't think you made a bad decision by choosing him i just i i would go i would go letty okay i think still i still think i would go letty that's fair i think maybe what did letty in is a recency bias thing um because he hasn't been great for the last two years uh that i was like ah, I, I can't have him in there instead of mark streit who for me has been great in the past where it's not you know it's maybe it's like a a mark streit tinted glasses where i i'm, I'm playing revisionist history too liberally but I thought that was fair. No, he was he was very good. He absolutely has to be in the conversation, but I think I'm just get, I'm giving the edge to uh, Letty. Fair enough. Okay, so then who do you have on the right side? On the right side, I am going with good old Hammer Travis yes. Hammer. Drop the hammer. Uh, absolutely. I was, glad, I was glad you went with that too. I think you could probably make the case for Johnny Boychuk, but I I don't know, man. Something about Hamnick. He was just. He was really reliable for a long time for this Islanders team. Like you forget, he came up at 20 years old hmm. and was fairly important to this team right away. Yeah, because it wasn't just the production, which it was. It was fine, right? Like, what was his highest scoring season? 33 points, I believe. Yeah. Yep. I always go back to 33 for some reason. Uh, which is that's a good that's a good amount of production for a defenseman. But what he was giving the Islanders wasn't just the production. It was the physical play, the in-your-face play, uh, clearing the front of the net, laying the big hit, getting into fights if he needed to because of some dumb schmuck doing something stupid on the ice. Um, he was doing everything that the Islanders wanted to do, block shots, and he would get injured because of it. And then all of his community work on top of that. Like I know that doesn't come into the playing thing, but it just builds the narrative around the, the, the player. Uh, and it's just a full package to me. And again, second highest scoring defenseman within the period in question. I, I couldn't, I couldn't leave him off. You could make the case for Johnny Boychuk. You're right. By the way, yeah. So, how many? What do you think his average ice time was in twenty three, twenty four, in twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen? For Travis Hamonic. For Travis Hamonic. Twenty four minutes. Twenty five oh one. Wow. He played a. Ton. That's a lot of ice time. A ton. He, granted, he didn't have a ton of points, 18, 
But this guy logged serious minutes from the even at twenty years old, Mitch. He played twenty one and a half minutes for this team. <laughs> a night workhorse, and that that's the thing that the Islanders counted on him to put up the, the big minutes to be a, a mature and accountable player on the ice. Look, when Matthew Barzell did his you know like brain fart of playing the puck in in, in the uh, in the penalty box, who was the first player to go to him and be like, "You got to go in the back in the box. You got to calm down, kid." It was Travis Hamanick. Yeah, that's right. So like I listen, I know he was injured the last couple of years with the Islanders, but I I miss Hamannick. I thought he he was a very very good Islander, and he had to make the list for me. Yeah, one hundred percent. Okay, now it comes to the goalie. Um, I don't think there's gonna uh, there might be some debate here. There might be. There is gonna be some debate. Okay, I I'm going Yaroslav Halak. Okay. All right, fine. I I can I, already pretend to figure. I think I know why, but all right, let's go. Um, he set the franchise record for wins in 2014-2015 with a 914-843. He was great for them in the playoffs that year. Had a 926 and a 230 goals against average. Uh, again, was good in 2015-16 before he got hurt. 919 and a 230. Uh, 16-17, he was. Decent with the Islanders, 915-280. We know 17-18 was rough, uh, the 908 and 319, but I don't know. I know you went with, I'll spoil it, but I know you went with Thomas Grice, mm-hmm. and he had that important playoff run in 15-16, and last year he had a phenomenal year. I couldn't do it just because of how bad he was in 2017-2018. But, sure, but Halak was... Not just as bad, but was also bad that year. And he was a big baby. Remember, I don't like having three goalies, and I'm going to cry to my agent and have my agent vent my frustrations over Twitter. Wah, wah, wah. Where was Thomas Grice? Thomas Grice was sitting there going like, all right, play your cards, mate. I'm just going to get the starting role. Do you. You do you. I'm going to do me. And he got it. That's what happened. I, li- I like Grice. It's not... Enough so him, why just... do you hate Thomas Grice so much? Let's get to the deeper issues <laughs> I just think of the two, um, he's Halak's the more talented. Okay, goalie. And I, I'm pushing back here because uh, because why? What what makes you say he's more talented? He had a better season. Well, no, because Thomas Grice had the, a better season this year statistically. No, he did. He definitely did. But I don't know. He was. Uh, Grice, I don't necessarily, and this might be just a bias on me, but I never think of Thomas Grice as a starter. He really isn't. He hasn't been one over the course of his career. You're absolutely right. He has not been, except for when Yaroslav Halak got injured and then did his little baby routine. I I understand. <laughs> I do. I don't think, to be honest with you, I don't think either are a phenomenal choice. Like, if that they're your oh, all-decade right. goalie, like no. that's not great. And... I would. I can't do one year for Leonard. As good of a year as it was, I just can't. I couldn't. I didn't have it in me to pick him. No, and that's the thing. I didn't want to pick Leonard either. Yes, he had an amazing year, um, but it was one year. And everything we know about goalies is that consistency is. They're consistently inconsistent. Just look at Grice. Nine twenty-seven this year. Eight ninety-two last year, like or two years ago, I should say. Like that. They're they're not consistent, but. 
for Thomas Grice, yes, Halak has the most wins with 88. But Grice is right there with 85. And he's got 85 in 151 games played versus the 88 and 170 that are, sorry, games started uh, over the 187, or sorry, the 170 that Halak has done. Their save percentage, Grice is better with a 916 to, to, to Halak's 913. Their goals against average are identical at 269. Halak has two more shutouts than Grice does. So statistically speaking, neither one are too far from each other. So you could pick either one and it would be you know fine. Um, but I, I just went with it because of the narrative of the other one had his little baby routine. Uh, he didn't get his way. And so because he didn't get his way, uh, Grice stepped in. Didn't say a word when, you know, maybe he didn't like the three goalie thing either, but he just did what he had to do, was a consummate professional, showed up, boom, you get a starting role, and he paid it off. Uh, so I just preferred that. So maybe that's my bias. I guess. I understand, like, who's a better person, Thomas Grice or Yaroslav Halak? Right. I'm saying Thomas Grice, definitely. But I don't know. To me, like, he was, Halak was such a big piece of that 2014 15 year. Um, and the fact that he, you know, he had the 59 games played that year, the 38 wins. I don't know. To me, I just, I lean to lock. I don't hate great. I don't think either option is great as like, oh, this is our all decade goalie, but it is what it is. And, And you're right. I think the choices here are more reflective of the pool of players we had to pick from. Cause like the next winning this goalie in that decade was Evgeny Dabakov. Who was there for like half an hour, right? <laughs> I, he was there for three years. It, it felt no. like 20 seconds. <laughs> it felt like he, it's because he didn't want to be there. That's why it felt like he wasn't there very long. Uh, he was, yeah, three years. He had a 914-255 the first year, so not terrible. No. 910-250 the next year, and then was atrocious in the playoffs. <laughs> and then um, a 38-year-old Yaroslav Halak. Uh, started 39 games and put up a 905 and 274. Sorry, you meant Nabokov there, not Halak, right? Did I say Halak? I meant Nabokov. Okay. Sorry. Yes, you're right. So, yeah, I just couldn't put Nabokov in there. First off, Halak, it was either Halak or Grice. There was, there was no other way. And the fact that that's your, you know, I don't know, like all-decade goalie, oof, that's rough. Yeah, not not the best. Not, not great. the best. That's it on that. If if you had a different setup, let us know. But uh, I'm sure it wasn't too wild. Although most people probably didn't have Matthew Barzell as the right wing. Oh, my God. No, because they probably did it the correct way. (laughs) Or not. They did it the smart way by saying, I can't keep the best player not in this list off of the list. All right. Let's let's give me the uh, trivia now for Andrew McDonald. That's, That's what I need. Okay. So, again, it's the 106th episode. So, we're going with the 2006 NHL draft for the Islanders, and I picked Andrew McDonald. So Andrew McDonald edition today. Now, you have three questions to answer about said player, being Andrew McDonald. So, question one. He scored 46 points in 68 games in his draft year. What round was he drafted in? So he's a defenseman ah. scoring 46 points. That's a lot. I, I feel like he was taken in the second round. Okay, is that what you're going with? Yeah, I'm going to say second round. Sixth round. Really? It was that late? 160th overall. Okay. So I don't know why I thought it was... I knew it wasn't the first round, but I, right. I thought it was a little earlier. Than so, uh, yeah, he was drafted in the sixth round. Uh, he scored 46 points in 68 games for the Moncton Wildcats at the QMJHL. 
So that, that should tell you a lot right there. It's a Q. It's never a defenseman. It's a scoring league, like you, you said a while ago. Um, next question is a yes or no. Did he ever play at the ECHL level? Yes or no? I'm going to say yes, he did. You're right, he did. In what year? 2007-2008, he played 38 games for the Utah Grizzlies of the ECHL, scoring 12 points in 38 games. So okay, not great. I wanted to my I would have guessed no, but since you asked it, that's why I said yes. Yeah, I figured I was like uh, uh, maybe he'll just yeah. It was a fifty. I reverse psychology. Yeah, yeah. So what was then? This is the third question. What okay. was the last year he played in the AHL? The last year that he played in the AHL. So give me the seasons, like the the, I don't know, like 2019, 2020 type thing. So when did he, he, can I get when he made his debut? So he, so he made, let, let me just do this. His first full season in the NHL was in 2009, 2010 for the Islanders playing 46 games, scoring seven points. And when was the last time he played? Yeah. I feel like this is a trick question. Could be. I, f- I think I'm going to go uh, 2018, 2019. Ooh, no, but I like where you went with there. Uh, yeah. You know me too well. Uh, 2015, 16. He played 43 games for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms and scored 36 points. Okay. See, I knew that he must have got sent down somewhere along the road. So that's why. Okay. That's why. So thanks for playing along. Uh, Hopefully you all got them right as well. Uh, Matt got what? You got uh, one one of three. One of three. I'll take it. And that first one. Sorry, I don't know my Andrew McDonald. (laughs) That's the fun of this is that you had no prep time because I wrote these questions and came up with this on the fly, like the second before we went live. (laughs) Unbelievable. <laughs> you could do the 2007 one next. Okay. All right. Fine. We'll do 2007 next time. I'll do it. All right. Um, let's get into the social stuff, Mitch. Yep. I got a couple for you. Both are this date in Islanders history. Okay. So working with most recent, one year ago today, Radar joined the Islanders Oh, family. wow. And that is the Islanders guide mm-hmm. dog. And he is adorable, and they put pictures out on their Twitter account at NY Islanders. And I like dogs, so I wanted to go <laughs> with Radar. Love dogs. The fact that he's named Radar is even better. Do we know the story behind why they named him Radar? Yes, which is going to go into next. So Radar was Al Arbor's nickname. Oh, right. Of course. I should have known that. And this was also the four-year anniversary of his passing. So R.I.P. Al Arbor. I don't know. I did a chef's kiss there. That's not what I meant to do. Anyways, um, that'd be wildly inappropriate. Um, but the fact that I like Radar the dog isn't just because he's a dog, although like that's amazing. Uh, but growing up, my, my family dog, we had a beagle and we named him Radar as well. Uh, we named him Radar not because of Al Arbor. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get the naming rights. Um, <laughs> we named him Radar because my dad likes MASH. Okay. And um, Radar just sounded good for a dog, like a hunting dog that always like beaked around. Plus, he liked Radar the character. So, okay. That makes sense. So, that's that. It was either that or Colonel Potter, and it doesn't sound like a good name for a beagle. <laughs> no, Radar, I think, is the way to yeah, go. Yeah, perfect. So, yeah, for me, I wanted to give some love to Radar, and then obviously Al Arbor, the legendary coach and one of the best coaches to ever do it in the NHL. <sighs> what a what a beast he was behind the bench! My God, unbelievable! Uh, did you have something else? 
That was it for me, so you can let it ride. So I had two things. First is from Isles Meetup RDU. Uh, he got a tattoo. Like two hours ago, they posted that he got an Islanders. Uh, so they have their, it's, it's a meetup. Uh, everyone knows what Isles Meetups are. Uh, it's the rally chapter. They have like the wolf logo with the fisherman hat. Okay. He got that tattooed on, I believe that's his leg. Uh, and it looks amazing. So look it up. It's at Isles Meetup underscore RDU. Oh man, what a beautiful tattoo that is. I love Islanders tattoos. Uh, I'm not brave enough to brand a hockey team on on me, so like maybe I'll have to like fess up and and not fess up, but at least get the stones to do it. Uh, even though I'm covered in tattoos, it's not my dislike of tattoos. It's just I don't know about like having hockey tattoos. I am seeing now this tattoo, and it does look really cool. Looking. It looks pretty boss. I see. I'm gonna ask this. Does all do all your tattoos have like a specific meaning, or it's just like something like if you have like I don't know, let's say for instance, I'm using an example like you have a bird on you just because you thought it looked cool. Like, yes, no, it doesn't. Birds don't mean anything. Sorry, yes to both things. Uh, most of them have meaning. Some of them don't. Some okay. of them just look cool. Like I have a leviathan on my side here. It looks like the Sarlacc pit from Star Wars, uh, but it's a big like warm type of thing from the ocean it opens up with a big mouth that that looks like the starlight pit with tentacles and it's eating a whale uh, i just wanted that because it was cool okay I let the tattoo artist just kind of go wild with that one see for me i feel like if i don't have any tattoos but if i were i would get something i would only get something if it had like specific meaning to it so like i could see myself getting a sports related tattoo because such how big of a part of my life it is yeah, so that that's why I would do it, and that, that's what they did here. So for for Isles Meetup, it, it so they, he says like from day one, Isles Meetup has meant everything to me. Our Isles Meetup crew is a hard is a huge part of who I am, and I'm proud to wear this bad boy for life. And that's that's the tag he's got there, and it's just yeah, I, I get it, I absolutely get it. I don't know why I haven't been able to get the stones to do it because I'm I'm willingly able to get like a sarlacc pit like that goes all the way up my side that's eating oh, a yeah. whale, but hockey tattoo, I don't know. Inter- I'm interesting logic there. I'm not like hitting. Yeah. I'm just. I just think it's it's interesting how you think that way. But okay. Uh, what else do we got? Sorry, I also have a tattoo that says "Good Times" on my back because I like good <laughs> times. So like, that's my favorite yeah. one. Uh, my my uh, justifications for tattoos haven't always been good. So maybe I should just get an Islanders <laughs> tattoo and get this over with instead of waiting. Maybe I'll just do that. Maybe yeah. Uh, maybe the next time I go, I'll, I'll I'll stop by a shop and someone could can ink me up with like an NY or and then some blue and orange. That'd be great. Yes, <laughs> if we get to a hundred Patreons, there you go. We get we get eyes on out. No, I won't get eyes on out. It's branded on me. I'll get please no, don't. just, just eyes on uh, The last one is that Josh was saying is active on social media again, and it's amazing. Not only did he say uh, what is it, smile, bro, but now he's got uh, a video of him like deking in front of a goalie, and he's got moves, bro. Uh are you surprised at that? Well, I thought he was gone off of social media. I thought he just didn't wasn't around anymore. So the fact that he's back is the light of my life. This is giving me like a raison d'être, a reason to get up in the morning sometimes. No, I'd love me some Josh Hosang content. The summer of Josh Hosang, which was 2017, I think so, yeah. is one that I will never forget. <laughs> that He had Electric Factory tweets. I missed that. His Twitter account's gone. I'm pretty sure he deleted it or it got hacked and it's just gone now. Uh, but every once in a while, getting some content on the Instagram is always good. What was the fart one that he had? God, that was a funny one. Oh, something about relationships, and it was fart or poop or something like that. 
was the analogy he was going with. I'm gonna have to find it and then post it on our Facebook. Ugh. Yes, I I do enjoy that one, and uh, definitely for me. I mean, he also I do have another one because there was a picture today of him, Tom Wilson, and someone else playing spike ball. Oh, right. So I said to uh, hopefully Tom Wilson doesn't throw cheap shots in spike ball too. <laughs> I'm sure he does. I'm sure. I don't think uh, Tom Wilson could get away from not hitting people in the head. Yep, probably. Uh, anything else on the social segment? I think I just found the poop one. Uh, okay, hit me. I'm sorry, the, the page loaded and it's went all the way down to the bottom. Uh, love is like a fart. If you have to force it, it's probably poop. It's <laughs> amazing. It's so concise and so true. I love it. Oh. Uh. Unbelievable. Good old finishing things off with a poop joke. Gotta love it. <laughs> Gotta love it. So with that, let's just get some plugs out of the way before we get out yeah. of here. So wherever you are listening to this, please make sure to subscribe so you get notifications anytime we publish something. Uh, give us a review and a rating. That really helps us out. We appreciate all the love and support from you guys. It really means a lot. You can also subscribe to our Patreon page, what we just mentioned, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. Since it's the summertime, but summer is winding down, we do a mailbag once a week that we're going to record right after this. And we also do probably upwards of two, sometimes three extra podcasts a week where we break down and go in depth on one specific topic, something we can't do on the regular show. And when the games come back, we do post game show and that you can get that for five bucks a month. Definitely worth it. You can follow along with us on social media at eyes on aisles FS on Twitter my Twitter is Matt O'Leary NY. Mitch's is at TLO Mitch. You could like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash eyes on aisles. You could download our app available for iPhone or Android. And of course, you can visit the website eyesonisles.com for all your New York Islanders needs. Mitch, episode number 106 in the books. Good news, buddy. This is our last August show. When we're doing this, it's September, which means there's preseason hockey in that month the season is almost here buddy the season is almost upon us we almost made it so with that thank you so much for tuning in once again i am matt o'leary he's mitch anderson we'll talk to you next time prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.